0: You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 337. Today, I'm talking with Amber Estrom about all things mindset, personal evolution, near-death experiences, and aligning your business plans with your soul's journey. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. James Wedmore here, your host here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me today. Um, about to kick off this little intro here for an incredible, extraordinary interview. You know, it's not really an interview at this point. It's it's more just like a conversation, a really great conversation that we got to have today with my good, good friend, Amber Lily Estrom. It was amazing. It was long too. Wow so good. We talk about so many things. And these really are, you know, some of my favorite types of episodes on the show, and I hope I really do hope they are yours where I just get to sit down and talk to extraordinary entrepreneurs that have unbelievable stories and we just get to talk about all things, you know, mindset, you know, the the inner work and really what it's taken from us to get to where we are today. And I always encourage you as a listener to not just listen to what they say, but try to listen between the lines into understand a little bit more about how they see the world, right? This is such a fantastic episode. Amber has had so much success in such a short amount of time. And it's always entrepreneurs like this that I get extra, extra curious about. And I think in this episode, you'll really get a sense of how she was able to start, launch, grow a business into a multiple seven-figure arena in a very short amount of time, just a few years. Unbelievable stories. You're gonna hear about her near-death experience, her actually like dying at the hospital and what that experience was like and how after that moment or that moment really became such a pivotal, catalytic moment for her getting on the path for what she was put here to do. And the conversation we had around that, we talked about suffering, why so many people suffer and how much of that suffering is so completely unnecessary. But when we understand, learn to understand a little bit about how humans are wired and why we do the things we do and why that person did the thing that they did to you, we get to have a little bit more grace, compassion, perspective. We talk about all that. We talk about what it takes to master life by shifting perspectives so much power there and so much more it's a fantastic conversation so get ready this is be a great one i'm still batching episodes here in sedona arizona I'm working on our first investment property that we're up and running. My wife just came out and joined me. I have, if you've been following me on my stories on Instagram, I was setting up all the measurements and the tape and getting all the nerdy stuff, you know, like the TVs and the, the technology, like the, the smart locks and stuff. And now my wife is here and I'm so excited. We're going to spend the entire day today just going wild with her designing the entire place. She's going to work her magic and turn this empty shell of a home, this blank canvas into a home that people actually want to stay and we're really excited about this. this is a fun little adventure and i love kind of keeping you guys up to date with what we're doing here we love sedona we love this town so much the first time we came here five years ago i was like oh my goodness can we move here i can't tell you how many times i've visualized and seen having a house out here and now we have two and Maybe more on the way. So really, really exciting. We, we have plans to do retreats here for not just our team, but for masterminds and actually creating a retreat center that we could rent out to other awesome influencers like yourself. And that's a lot of our plans and our vision that's in store with a new arm in our business. And I love sharing all this stuff with you guys for so many reasons. One is that, I don't know, you know, entrepreneurship, when it's in your blood, when it's in your DNA, there's, I don't know, you. I just get so excited Like starting something new. Having this new little side project that's really handing over to Chelsea. I'm just kind of the the bank and the strategist here. I feel much more like the advisor, but she's really the one running the show. But, you know, we as entrepreneurs tend to get really excited about the idea phase, the opportunity phase, the startup phase. And that's where we tend to get so lit up. And so what I've had to figure out and learn over the years is discipline. That balance between getting fueled by the creativity, the new ideas, the vision of a bigger, brighter future, but also having the discipline to stay consistent, stay the course, create that momentum. And finding that balance for yourself is gonna be really key. You know, I've heard people say it all the time, so many times, like, oh, my business is, I'm, I'm so bored in my business. And you know, the truth is, is in a lot of ways, your business isn't here just to entertain you. And so we have to be able to find that balance discipline. It's like going to the gym. You know that if you worked out consistently three times a week, four times a week, you're going to get better results. But if you're doing the same thing every time you go to the gym, you are going to get bored. So, the game there with fitness is how do I keep that consistency on that path while spicing things up a bit keeping me entertained and this is something that i'm doing for myself this is something that adds an extra spark of joy and we're really loving it and we get to apply everything that we've learned over the years in marketing social media marketing all that stuff to this uh, little side venture that my wife and I get to work on together. So much fun, so awesome, and I love keeping you updated. So anyways, enough about me. Let's get into today's episode. I wanna give a quick bio for Amber, just so you know how extraordinary she is. So basically, after she survived the near-death experience, it was during the birth of her daughter, she did a total pivot in her life, and really walked away from a 10-year-long career where she was working for someone else, and decided to start her own business. This is where a whole, you know, as entrepreneurs, a whole inward journey starts for all of us, right? We begin working or noticing that we need to be working from the inside out. Uh, So what she discovered in this excavation process was a deep, deep feeling of unworthiness woven throughout the stories of her entire life. After surviving sexual abuse as a young child, she went on to experience a failed marriage, a 15-year eating disorder, and a crippling battle with perfectionism and people-pleasing. Now what lived beneath these painful experiences was a deep disconnection from self and a fear of disappointing others. These are the type of things we're gonna be discussing on today's episode. Now today, Amber is a transformational coach for visionary entrepreneurs like yourself. She's been featured in Entrepreneur, Forbes, Working Mother Magazine, and she's the host of the Amber Liliestrom Show podcast, which reaches over a hundred thousand monthly visitors. She is the creator of the Ignite Your Soul Summit. It's an annual live event and multiple life-changing online programs. And she and I are here today to talk and jam on all things mindset, personal evolution, her near-death experience, and how that dramatically changed the direction of her life, and hopefully open up a conversation of how you can begin to align your business plans with your soul's plans. So without further ado, let's play that interview for you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and welcome today's very special guest here on the podcast, Amber Liliestrom. Amber, how you doing?
1: I'm great, James. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Did I do it right? Did I say her last name properly? Yeah,
1: you nailed it. Way yes! to go. Yes.
0: I told you I would. <laughs> See that? Speak it and it is so. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. I'm so excited. And you, look, I don't know if you wanted me to share this, but i am just go ahead and do it. Before, before we have any any cool, awesome, amazing guests come on the show, we have them answer a couple of questions just so we can start to get an idea of like, what are we going to do together? What are we going to start to create? And I have to, I'm just going to share your answer. And yeah. I don't care if you say, no, James, don't do it. Oh, I'm doing it. I asked in our little intake survey thing, well, hey, what's the biggest benefit result you'd like to get from this episode? Here's what Amber wrote to have a super expansive conversation that raises the collective frequency of everyone who listens. That's pretty badass right there.
1: I mean, like what other outcome should there be, you know?
0: Exactly. It might be a tall order, but I think we're gonna deliver here today. So you let us know if we did that by the end of the episode, all right guys? Let's start at the beginning, keep it real simple, and for those who don't know you, do you wanna give like a quick introduction? Who do you help, how do you help them?
1: Yeah, I help visionary entrepreneurs or, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs if they don't identify themselves as an entrepreneur just yet, step into their purpose and literally change the the course of history for themselves and the people that they love. And we do that by helping them yes, design a brand and business that is aligned with their soul's calling and all that jazz, but moreover, we help them kind of acknowledge what it is that they desire the blocks that are keeping them from actually doing that, get those out of the way and then rock on with their bad selves in just being really like fully embodied creators, you know, visionaries, artists, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever, like the world needs your message. And so I help people get to the place of putting their message out into the world.
0: Yeah. And in some sense, is it fair to say that your purpose is to help people find their purpose?
1: That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you discover that? How did how did how did you find or come to get to do what you do today? Mm
1: -hmm. You know, the why that lives beneath my why is really about growing up, and I mean, I had a I have a beautiful family with parents who work very hard and did so much in my childhood to help me heal from my own the trauma that I experienced at a really young age as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and. My parents, A, believed me, B, helped me to get the support that I needed emotionally, and then also to testify in court and get justice against my abuser. And those things are incredibly important and not always the case for kids and for people who go through that kind of an experience. So I'll be eternally grateful for that. I think part of my childhood is, you know, I think we touched on this before we hit record, just generationally, if we look at what our parents, the world our parents grew up in, and then the world that their parents grew up in, you know, they overcame the Great Depression. I mean, my grandparents came over here on a boat. I mean, a boat. When was the last time you were on a boat?
0: You traveled. Going across the Atlantic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean, like the whole Atlantic right. Ocean.
0: Like traveling by boat was your only option. It's not like a choice, <laughs> like a pleasure cruise. It's like, this is all you got. It's boat or swim.
1: It's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we are, we get annoyed when the Wi-Fi doesn't work on the plane. <laughs> That's the world we live in. Yes. <laughs> and my grandpa, my grandparents came here on a boat. Wow. And so, you know, just reverence every day. I don't forget those things that as, you know, my Angelou said, our crowns are paid for. It's like, girlfriend, put it on your head, you know, like stop acting like that's not true. Mm. So, so that's one of like the foundational beliefs for me. But the other piece is I also witnessed a lot of pain that the people that I loved, emotional pain, the people I loved were in. And I watched them, you know, suffer and struggle in relationships. And, you know, just life was hard. I mean, really was like a base belief that life was very difficult, that money was hard to come by, that you had to work hard and suffer and struggle. And there was a part of me, James, that just thought like, this can't be how it is. Like, I just don't believe that's true. And how is it if, you know, my mom used to put on Oprah, I'd be like, but Oprah's doing it, you know? And Mm. like, there's people that are sitting in the chair that are talking to her and like, They are overcoming it. Like, why can't we overcome it? And I remember making this little pact with myself as a young kid and just thinking like, it's going to be different for me. Like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to make it not so hard. And I'm going to be able to then help my mom and dad. I'm going to be able to help the people in my life that I love so much that are suffering. And so I think that I was always like taking notes of watching and thinking, just, I don't think it really has to be this way. And I don't really know how to do it any other way, but I'm going to put a pin in that. And so, you know, I just had that kind of systematic mindset about like studying and looking at data and like witnessing, I mean, going to soccer practice and being like, but Shauna's mom and dad seem really like happy, you know, and not just in their marriage, but like they drive an Explorer. Like that's a really nice mm-hmm. car. It's like brand new. How'd they do that? I don't a know. 1995 and, and, and Ford
0: Explorer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was like, it was sweet.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember it that had car. like a leather
1: interior uh-huh. and, and they would like have everybody over and like have potlucks and watch movies and stuff. And I just remember seeing these things and being like fascinating, mm. you know, and I, I don't know, but this was my little kid me. And I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And so, you know, life life went on, but I I I think that at the core, the why under the why is like, I just don't feel like we have to suffer. I feel like we mm-hmm. get to control that and change that, and we get to change the reality as a result of changing that. And I don't know, I, I that's really where it all kind of like began for me. And I would try things. You know, I, I got a scholarship to play soccer. I was nine years old when I made the decision that that was going to happen because I didn't want to put the burden of my college education on my parents. And so I remember thinking, like, I'm just okay. Well. I'm just going to learn how to play soccer and I'm just going to get good at it. Cause dad was a college athlete. Like that's what you do. If you want to go to college. And I just did that. Like I would set goals and I would systematically achieve things. You know, I'm going to be the captain of my soccer team. Okay. Then I did that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this job. And then I was getting promoted every two years, like in my collegiate athletics career after I graduated from UNH. And I just learned a systematic way of like, okay, that's hard. I'm going to walk right towards it. And I'm going to do it. And I'm like, Oh, okay, Tony, I'll walk on fire. That's fine. You know, like, I'm just going to go to the thing. (laughs) I'm going to do the hard thing. Like every time I'm just going to do the hard thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the reason that I've, you know, what I, that's been my study, my, my field notes, if you will.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I think one of the opportunities I've had is to be able to interview some extraordinary people that have done extraordinary things. You know, you've heard that it kind of becomes cliche, like success leaves clues and stuff. But that becomes a very common thing of what you shared as like a child, would you say you were like yeah. young and you just decided. I can't tell you how many times I've heard those exact words from someone that I've interviewed where they're like, you know, I was a kid, I was in high school or I just graduated or I was going in whatever whatever age. And they just said, I just decided I'm gonna have a better life. Or I'm gonna have a better result or a better future. And yeah. I can't take that as just coincidence that so many people share that same sentiment. And I can imagine then they reverse, yeah. right? Which kind of connects to a, a conversation I wanna get into around suffering. You know, that makes sense when you have a lot of successful people saying they decided that they were gonna be successful at a young age. But what about everybody else that decided something else? You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they decided that they're not good enough, that they don't have what it takes, that there's something wrong with them. You know, my grandfather, who I never met, who also, I think he traveled by boat because he came here in like the 20s. So yeah. wouldn't that mean a boat?
1: Yeah, I mean, unless he could levitate, I'm not sure. Well. Maybe. I mean, he <laughs> was related to you, James, so you, you never know.
0: Still. <laughs> but he would say this phrase to my dad and my dad would repeat it to me, as the twig bends, so grows the tree. Mm. And it's really interesting because my dad would tell it to me about my posture. He'd pull my shoulders back and he's like, son, stand up straight because as the twig then so grows the tree. And I'm very much more metaphorical <laughs> and, uh, than my dad is. That that's all that means. Is that just means stand up straight? To me I sit there and I go wait a second. No 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 no. It's like that that kid, that twig who decides at that age that this is the direction your life is going to grow. That's how the tree grows. And so I just I just love hearing that. Um mm-hmm. let's talk about that for a moment Seeing suffering I see that I see that a lot more today. I think now than maybe I did growing up, I think I had a very different journey and path where I was very much just all, I don't know, uh, s- selfish in the sense of like, everything was just getting mine and figuring my life out. And you kind of come out of that and you see how much people suffer unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. What causes so much of that? Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? What, why do so many people? Su- and I think it's important to add it in unnecessarily, because we can also talk about the good and some pain and suffering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, adversity, I, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. If I hadn't gone through the experiences that I've gone through, I wouldn't be the mom that I am today, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. So I, I, I wouldn't change my story, but, you know, I think one of the the things I learned going back to like five-year-old Amber wisdom, you <laughs> know, my mom said to me, helping me reconcile through it, you know, I was in therapy and all this and And I I believe like my curriculum and in this work started so young because of the abuse happened when I was, you know, three, four years old. And I was also like a really conscious child. Like I was just, thank God, you know, because if I wasn't, I maybe wouldn't have been able to say what had gone down and express that and get the help that I was then going to need. But my mom would always say, Amber, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. You know, you've heard that a million times, but when you're a five-year-old and you hear that and you're you're reconciling this person. And, you know, he was the father of my beloved cousin. And it was like, I knew I had to like, I couldn't have my cousin anymore, essentially, you know, like it it was like, it was a lot, it was a loss, you know, in many ways. And also I felt as a child, like I, I did something wrong by telling the truth because everybody in my family basically like abandoned us and sided with my abuser. And, but I, that core belief of like an understanding that hurt people hurt people has stuck with me my whole life. And, you know, I just, I didn't want to be the hurt person that hurt people. And so I made a different choice for my life. It's like this
0: cause and effect domino chain reaction that's been happening since the beginning of time. Right. And can we be that person that finally stops it?
1: That's right. Otherwise we're the one
0: that perpetuates it.
1: I think it is a courageously conscious choice that every single person has to make and because here's the reality i'm a human and so i still hurt people at times without meaning to you know i mean i still do i sometimes might hurt my daughter's feelings with something that i say or i might hurt my husband inadvertently or maybe one of my team members or a friend or something and not even really realize it i'm a human and i can be clumsy but i'm aware of the work that i need to do and i just invite everybody listening to this like start where you are You know, Mm -hmm. and and also I think the other piece is we have to let other people go like holding others in bondage for the hurt that they've done to us only keeps us trapped. And so I learned so early on, James, that if I kept my abuser in bondage for my whole life, I would be the one that was trapped. And And I got that and I forgave and I released and I let that go like before anybody in my family could, because Mm -hmm. I recognized I don't want to be trapped by this for my whole life. Yeah,
0: wow, so much to ask there. Going back to what you said a minute ago about, you know, I'm still human, and I I heard others. What are your thoughts and perspectives on like where that line is between being responsible for your own emotions and and others? Like, you know, if you're not in, mm. if it's not intentional, how do you navigate that? Is that does that make sense? What I'm asking?
1: Yeah. I said something recently to a friend, literally just like texted this to a dear friend the other day. And, you know, so I said, and this, this is inter- like, I'm, I'm just like saying this out loud for the first time. I feel like we can unpack this. I think it's like really powerful thing to, to work through. I said, I decided I'm no longer available for relationships where I'm not afforded the same grace that I afford others. And what I mean by that deep down is like, I am probably one of the most forgiving people you're ever going to meet in the whole world because what I know is hurt people hurt people and Mm -hmm. we make mistakes like we do you know and I forgave the man who sexually abused me as a young child I've set him free and I just think like there's a lot that we really hold people to that we could set all of us free if we were willing to just like do that you know but here's what I know The reason we're not willing to do that often is because we're not willing to let ourselves be free. And we hold ourselves in bondage and we judge ourselves. And we, we honestly like victimize ourselves with our own cruelty. And that's like the deepest, most introspective work we need to do. And so again, like when I'm holding somebody else in that way, I recognize that what are you also simultaneously doing to yourself? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So that, that statement is kind of like, you said that to someone specifically. Yeah. So that's kind of like this declaration of a, like a boundary in a sense of. Well,
1: it was, it was, I said that to her in reflection to a situation I was dealing with. And I kind of like, I sent a message to someone and I I didn't know how it was going to be received or how it was going to come back. But I was like, kind of like letting the little doves fly. And I was like, we'll just see. And it, that particular situation was very, it was, you know, she met me, you know, like we were, we Mm -hmm. met and had like a really beautiful exchange and we were like, yeah, you know, we both made our own errors on either side and had a really conscious conversation about it. And like our appreciation for each other is what won out in the whole thing, Yeah, but that doesn't always happen. And I, and I experienced that, you know, and, and personally in my life in the last year, like a couple of times, and it's been extremely painful, because is this some
0: people not willing to forgive you or holding you to a higher yeah. standard? Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, as yeah. you become this, this person with a platform and a message, you, you're you held to an even higher standard. It's like, yes, yeah. I'm still having yeah, a human yeah. experience. I want to yeah. go deeper with that, though. Why is it, from your perspective and opinion, why is it so hard for so many people to let go of things, to to forgive, when once you do it, it becomes one of the most like healing and Powerful thing. I feel like every time I do it, I just, I evolve. I feel yeah, a level yeah. of evolution in my life. It's like I'm playing, this is so weird. We're going to get in a weird stuff. I feel like I'm playing a video game. And every time <laughs> I forgive someone, it's like, it's like I just graduated to the next level in life and I get all these points and coins and stuff like that. Why is it so hard for us to let go and forgive?
1: Because we haven't had a lot of good modeling for it, we haven't had a lot of great learning examples from other people. I mean, can we talk about boundaries for a second? Cause I feel like this topic is like something that gets thrown around there. Like lots of really popular memes out there that are like boundaries, like put them up (laughs) and you know, it's like, go girl, like boss, you know, boss it out and like put up your boundary. And I'm just kind of like, but <laughs> can we talk about boundaries for a second? I think that they are a healthy thing to implement in appropriate places and spaces. But when we're talking about we're throwing up boundaries against people, sometimes you have to. Some people are a little dysfunctional and they don't really get it, right? But I also think like healthy communication to a certain level with two human healthy people, boundaries become kind of like a thing you don't need and mm. and within your own self, like For me, if I'm being honest, if I'm living in integrity, if I am communicating openly and effectively with people to the best of my ability and their best of their ability to receive it, I don't find that I have to throw up like all these barbed wire fences in my life. I'm just kind of (laughs) chill.
0: Right. So the real question is, is why do you, if you're thinking about one person in particular in your life, if you have to throw up a boundary, why is this person even in your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that there's that, but I also think, and again, remember it's like a two-sided situation in every relationship, you know, but if I am being honest and really, I think on a lot of the times, you know, we're afraid to to speak our truth
0: and we're afraid
1: to be honest with people about like what's really going on. And, And I think the other piece is like this topic of conditionality and unconditionality. I think that's another area that's really really important to look at. So if we think about like with the people that you love the most, are you and again, remember, I'm using like the human measurement of this. Are you unconditional with the people that you love or are you conditional with your love for them? Oh. And, and what I always Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's well, a hard
0: that's a hard question. It's like how honest do you want <laughs> to
1: be? I know. It's like, well, I, I want to be here's unconditional. The thing. It's a reflection though of like if you are unconditional in your love with <laughs> it's always a reflection back to the conditionality we have for ourselves.
0: Can you explain that? That's, that's yeah. Really so, so I
1: think as entrepreneurs here, we probably have lots of like Enneagram threes in the house and people who like love to nail the landing and, you know, get the, get the high five and all that stuff. I definitely am one of those people, you know, and I have had to really go back in my own little timeline and look at, Oh yeah. Like that was the the way the love model was set up for me. It was like, if I scored more goals, if I got the awards, if I mm-hmm. got high honor, it was like, my parents were like, you gotta be on the honor roll in order to play sports. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be on the high honor roll. Like <laughs> I, I, like took it to my own whole level, yeah. which is rr, rr, rr. conditional love Amber conditional, like Amber mm. learned a conditional love model. And then I practiced it myself with myself. So then I had a 15 year eating disorder, which is like, that was some learning. What was that about? Conditions control the things I couldn't control in my life. I was trying to control with food. Right. right. And so all comes down to that feeling of like, I only get love when I do things in a particular way. And then what happens is when we learn that as kids, we metabolize that we then continue it and perpetuate it. And then we bring it into our relationships. And so why I'm bringing this point up is, you know, you want to have more intimacy. You want to connect deeper to your partner. You want to you know, be more present for your children, but you're not going to be able to do that if you still have a conditional relationship with yourself.
0: Yeah. Powerful.
1: The same things goes in our friendships. And then sometimes we bring in these amazing friendships, like these incredible people in our lives. And then we think like, because they they like me, they love me, like I'm more worthy. And that in and of itself is a conditional relationship. And you're not really showing up like authentically with each other in a lot of ways. It's like we do that, we do this to each other. And it's a process. This is a healing journey and it is a healing process. But I think the fastest way to learn all of these lessons is to start your own business and to be an entrepreneur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well it's said. Like, I, yeah, I had, I had someone tell me, the good friend telling me this. It's like, if you want to, let's see, if you, if you want to learn and grow and evolve the fastest, it's three things. This is you get married, have kids and start a business and oh, you, you will learn and the do lessons. them all at once and do it while all- you're
1: at it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> once.
0: Oh my goodness. So Your business journey really started when you went through something pretty traumatic at the birth of your daughter. Yeah. You want to talk Mm -hmm. about that?
1: Yeah, I would. So that was six and a half years ago now. And I was before this experience, I'll just give a quick snapshot. So I was highly, highly successful in my career as a collegiate athletics marketing administrator. So I was the one who was planning all of the promotions and executing the corporate sponsorship contracts in a division one athletic department. I was selling sponsorships. I was doing a million things, running seven ticketed sports at once, which meant like season ticket campaigns and group sales and, you know, single game ticket sales. And I mean, you want to learn marketing, go hang out with a collegiate athletics marketing person Mm. because they are like, they're total ballers. And so I got just trial by fire learning with all of those things. I mean, down to the, like I was singing the national anthem on the ice and take off my headset, sing because my singer didn't show up. And then I would go and like shoot the t-shirt cannon. And no then I'm like way. running the timeline. Like, yeah, I did the whole... I mean, it was an awesome, awesome job. Mm. And I was actually one of the top four marketing pros in the country at the, this point in my career. I was going to be the president of NACMA, which was our organization there. And I love my job. But the truth of the truth of the truth was, James, is that I knew from a super young age... That little five-year-old, six-year-old version of me knew two things. One, she was here to share her story, that it didn't happen to her for nothing, and that she was here to to write books and, and speak about it. And that didn't even make sense for a five-year-old, six-year-old. But I just like had the vision at that super young age. And a voice said to me, like, You this didn't happen to you for nothing. you are mm-hmm. here to share this with other people. So they don't have to suffer the ways that you have. Do you and do you think just in
0: knowing that? I mean, cause that creates a completely different context for your life. Yes. Does that provide healing? Does that provide something for you and knowing whether it was a voice or a knowing or whatever, that, that type of certainty is that this is part of something bigger.
1: It does. But what I will tell you is I kind of ran away from it for a long sure. time. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do my purpose as a soccer player. I'm going to do my purpose as a collegiate athletics marketing administrator. I'm going to, I taught sport marketing at the university, like, I'm mentoring students, like I'm making a difference. This is my purpose. And yet, I mean, everyone would come in my office, my colleagues included, and be like, I'm so unhappy. What do I do? And I'd be like coaching them around, like, okay, like, let's try this out. What if you shifted this? What if you did, you know? I was mm-hmm. like coaching people, all my my teammates, like all those years, I was doing what I ultimately do, you know, right. now. And I started a little blog like a couple of years prior to when I was pregnant. And so it was like, All of these things were kind of lining up. I had gone and like spent a whole day at Mel Robbins' house back in 2011. I messaged her on LinkedIn and said, "I want to do what you do when I grow up." And she was, and her assistant messaged me back and was like, "She'll do an informational interview with you." Like, great. And then they call and they're like, "She's doing a reality TV show taping at her house. Like, will you come and be like the couple on the show?" Like, wow, crazy stuff. Yeah, this is back in 2000. So I'm there like helping Mel with her product of her radio show and. You know, she lives in Massachusetts. We live in New Hampshire. So we just drove down and we're there. And I mean, these are like the serendipitous weird things. Right. But it wasn't like, oh, Mel was like, here's your business idea. Go do it. She was like giving me advice. But, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted. But here's the reality. Like I knew I want something different. And my career path that I was in with, mm-hmm. you know, getting promoted every two years and then being told to like settle down and do my job, the paycheck that I was getting, that was definitely not going to be growing very much. Like I was, I had maxed it out. And I knew it, but I wasn't willing to be honest about it. And so here I am now on this day, I had dreamt of literally my entire life. My number one dream is to be a mom. And we've gone through fertility treatments and all this. And here she is. And she's like this miracle. And it's the day of her birth. And I am in an operating room getting ready for an emergency C-section. And I am feeling my breath escape me as they lay me down on the table, it was not within a few seconds. All of a sudden I'm realizing that the Jack Johnson music that we were just like reminiscing about my wedding song and all joyful about is not playing anymore. And I'm hearing my surgeon say to the anesthesiologist behind me, what can I do to help? I'm not even cut open yet. I'm just laying on the table and the surgeon saying, what can I do to help? And everybody's quiet. And I'm going, (laughs) and I'm, I'm not able to breathe on my own. There's a bag valve mask over my face. I see the nurse's hand doing this. And I'm thinking, this is so weird because I also am one of those people, like as an athlete and all this, I know my body super well. And I also believe that I'm completely invincible. Like (laughs) nothing can happen to me. Like I am here. I, I knew I had a purpose. Like I knew I had a curriculum and I was nowhere near it. James, Mm -hmm. it was nowhere near my, what I was supposed to be doing in my life. And I'm like, this is what, what do you mean? This is happening right now. And so then a few seconds after that, no one's talking. I am unconscious and I'm in this space between what I'm coming to realize in this moment, motherhood, holding my baby and now thinking, am I literally going to die? Like is, am I going to die right now? Like in that I'm in this like darkness. And the first thing that I saw in that space was what I was supposed to be doing Mm. me on a stage, the book, like just the, the vibration of what I had had known at such a young age, it was right there. And the reality was I was not doing it. Like I literally was not doing it. And it was an awful feeling. It was terrible. It was like the lowest, lowest feeling because now here I am and I'm just in the darkness. Yeah. And then the wild thing that happened, and I have no idea like the time-space reality of all this, but it's just, I'm here in this quantum space, you know, suddenly I am bird's eye view. I can see my husband in the room that we had just left him in, in his little scrubs. And he's going through the camera settings, like making. I could just like burst into tears, like making sure that the camera's ready. Who's was so excited to take pictures of her. <sighs> okay, mom, sorry. Everybody's crying now. And then I'm over the waiting room area, and I can see my parents, my mom pacing in the waiting room, the TV's on, my dad sitting there doing the same thing with the camera, looking through his little camera settings. And I see them and then I see myself. And suddenly it's like I'm rejoined with myself, but I have this incredible experience of just feeling so loved. Like every single cell of my body, like my whole being, like light, light, Love, appreciation, the love that my husband and my parents had for me, just feeling like, okay, like this is it. Like this is the whole point. Like that, Mm. them loving me, me loving them, there's nothing more important than this. This is everything. And I went to this place, James, of just thinking, okay, if I don't get to meet our daughter, if I don't get to hold Ani, I somehow like knew that she was going to be okay because she had these people in her life. Like I just, I completely surrendered every attachment, everything in that moment and just said, okay. I just like handed it over in this space of love. It was one of the most beautiful feelings. It's, it's hard to put words to, but it was just transcendent. And that moment of just complete and utter surrender, I was ready to go. I just said, I'm ready now. Like, okay, I'm done. Da- I'm Okay. I didn't understand it, but it was like, I just let go. And in that moment of surrender, it was literally like a switch flipped. And all of a sudden, I just, I was not over me or like above me or around me. I was in me. I opened my eyes up and I was conscious and I could breathe. And then I heard the anesthesiologist yell to the surgeon who seemed like she was like 15 feet away from me, by the way, which looking at my body now, I realized that she was literally not that far away from me. It's very bizarre. Like Mm -hmm. how when you're in an operating room in that position, but she felt like she was all the way over there. And he said, go, 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 go. And she began the procedure, the C-section. And my daughter just emerged into the world and she was perfect and not Mm. any worse for the wear. I mean, she wasn't even blue or anything. She was just like, I'm here. (laughs) And I just had this whole crazy experience and and nobody knows this except for me. And she's over here and I'm looking at her and she has all of her fingers and toes and all this hair and like, she's real. And I'm saying, where's Ben? Go get my husband. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't able to be in there during that whole experience. He's holding her. And it's just like something on a quantum level shifted within me. I didn't know what, but I just, everything changed in that moment for me in wow. my whole life. Like everything just shifted.
0: Wow. Beautiful so much that I want to unpack it all of that. So thank you so much for sharing. That's riveting. So the doctors did know there was something going on with you. Yes. But your so family I had did a, not. I
1: had a, they did not, yeah. they, they did not know. Nobody in my family knew, except my mom, my mom knew. Like intuitively. That's why she was
0: pacing. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, I can like, this is always makes me cry to talk about this part of my story, but there's these photos after, like right when she came in to meet Ani for the first time. I never realized this because I was there like in the experience, but I look back at the pictures and I'm holding Ani, like showing her our daughter and my mom's just looking at me.
0: Hmm. Wow. So and she's
1: like, loves her granddaughter, but she's like, she knew that something had happened.
0: Yeah. Were the doctors able to offer any explanation later of what, what actually physically? Yeah, well,
1: that? you know, James, this is the, this is the magic. So I had what, what is called a high spinal tap, which essentially froze my diaphragm, which has the capacity to stop your heart from beating. I mean, it's pretty serious. And when I was doing the research afterwards to understand what that meant, I had like some major PTSD stuff happen because I was just, it was scary to read about that. But ultimately this anesthesiologist in his 20 year career had never had this happen. Wow. Only one.
0: How long in clock time? Were you out for?
1: I don't even know. I got all. They didn't of the tell you. They didn't tell that. you at
0: all. Like roughly. No,
1: they didn't tell me anything because if I'm being completely candid, they were trying to, you know, CYA a bit. And mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, I got all my files, and I was kind of going to go through a little bit of a process of like having some conversations. But if I'm being just completely candid, I just thought, you know, I'm okay, and Ani's okay. Yeah. Like we're all we're all good. Like this is. I don't need to put energy into this. I'm right. grateful. I had a an awakening, honestly. And mm-hmm. so there's nothing more here that we need to do.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. So unpacking this further, I got a sense when you shared this story that it was almost like when you got that image of this is what you're supposed to be doing. It, yeah. it, is it like, did you ever look back and was there a time in the past in, in your marketing career where there were off ramps for a lack of a better word, where you would have been doing like other opportunities that you denied that where you could have been doing what they were showing you? Like in hindsight, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see those or like, ah, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that was the door for that or anything? I, I mean, not, not that you're just. Yeah. I
1: mean, no, that's a great question. And you know, I, I do believe in that whole concept of like, you get the feather, then you get the two by four, and then you get the Mack truck, you know? Right. And and I like, I I tend to like the Mack truck model of things. I like to be like real dramatic about things. It seems, you know, <laughs> like, okay, have a near-death experience right. to that, launch your business. That's a pretty that's,
0: big Mac truck. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not okay. me. Like I'm that, like the opposite of that. I'm like, I'll take a feather, got the message, got it, let's yeah, go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was real stubborn. I was real stubborn and really, I think that there was a part of me, James, that felt like, I didn't know how, you know, this is, I think that's the thing I hear the most from my clients. And it's why I'm, I'm equipped to help them. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't figure out how to connect the dots. It was like, well, what the heck am I going to help people with? How am I going to be relevant? You know, like, who am I? And you have to think about that timing, right? So that was the near-death experience was 2013. And those, it was in that time space, at least on my radar personal brands, coaches, like we're starting to become a lot more prevalent in those early, like, you know, 2010, like in that time space. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wasn't, I mean, of course, it wasn't like what it is now, but even when I launched my business in 2014, it was definitely a different landscape. And so I just think that I I like wanted more data. And, you know, one of the things I've learned, and sadly I learned this um, when one of our sweet dog, he was put to sleep, but I had this really spiritual experience. Yet again, it was an unexpected experience. And I was laying with him and I had my head on his body and he was breathing and I was just with him and I was laying with him. And I said, like, I don't understand. I just want to understand, like, why is this happening? And the voice of the message that I got was, we're not here to understand. We're here to experience. Mm-hmm. And I think like my, I've, I like, I really like to understand things. Yeah. I like to have data. Like right. I like to like, and so I think that I wasn't in the place at that point to like, even really see the off ramps, even though they were available. If I look back, I just wanted to understand and have it concretely laid out for me. And I've of course learned the experiences are always the way. Mm you got to ride the wave man and like it's it's 10. never
0: going to be laid out and if anyone else is waiting for the near death experience to get your sign let this
1: be your invitation today it, right. to yeah. not do that right
0: yeah, yeah. let amber be the, the martyr for you yes. so you don't have to go through what you she went through you do not
1: have to do i mean that yeah. if we're going to be we're going to look at that achiever model i really wanted to nail that one apparently so <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> oh it's so great and it, had you done Well, would you have considered yourself already a very spiritual person or had a spiritual context? So that that offered even just a a deeper understanding for you going through that experience.
1: I felt like God was talking to me, yet I was not a God person, really. I Mm -hmm. wasn't practicing that kind of language even then, you know, and I was raised Protestant and went to church, but then soccer became my religion and I never really went back to that and had a lot of like hurt around church and a lot about like that type of faith, you know, and hadn't been exposed to other types of spirituality Mm -hmm. at that point in my career, I was reading certain things or reading a return to love and things like that and being kind of, okay, you know, opening my worldview, if you will, on all of that. But yeah, I just, I wasn't there yet. And so again, why it was really like a quantum leap in consciousness as Abraham Hicks says, you know, a near-death experience is a quantum leap in consciousness couldn't agree with that more, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm grateful for that because I, when I look back on that, I just think, man, how was that only six and a half years ago? Because I was so stubborn back then, and I'm just such a different person now.
0: And I assume you've done like research on other NDS and stuff over the over the years, yeah. So you can, and,
1: yeah. And it just boggles my mind how consistent the experiences are like the things that people talk about. It's like crazy, crazy. The things that I experienced are exactly like, they're the same. And that also was just like, Oh man, part of me wanted to have like made it up to be honest. You know, like that's, that's weird. Like part of me wanted it to like, I don't know, to like have it not be super, maybe it's because I, I don't, I never have wanted to Okay. So this is a parallel. Like we're in therapy right now. This is great, James. So as a really young child, I remember these moments of having the experience that I had and then thinking to myself afterwards, well, maybe I did just make it up. Like Mm. maybe I did. And then like wanting it to go away. But of course I couldn't like say that out loud. I mean, it just, yet I have vivid memories of my experience. So like it's real. And the same thing with the near-death experience, like because people will like kind of say sometimes like, Oh, but did you really, you know? And mm-hmm.
0: then you find yourself having to like convince people or justify Yeah. Or, or and so when I read those other
1: books about people's experiences, you know, it was, it was startling how many of those details were exactly the same from what I went through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've read a lot of them and it, just the experience of an indescribable unconditional love that you can't indescribable when even when people say what you said those very words like i can't even describe it it's like mm-hmm. that's the most common thing that to me yeah. has i don't know it, it that it makes me feel so good in such a way because it's like in a certain sense i feel like that just tells me there is so much more so much in more. this in this form like you can't even put into words something that is you beyond you can and
1: us. one of the, one of the things that i i really want to make sure that I share from that experience. Like, I I know it's not my responsibility to have to, but I, but I feel like I want to give that to people. It's that, you know, we are, we're so afraid while we're here. We're Mm -hmm. so like, uh, you know, my favorite classic word, this is really very formal word here, but we're we're so bajiggity about everything. Totally.
0: (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I love it. (laughs) It's just
1: like, you know, about everything. Like I have to do this and has to be perfect in my to-do list. And like, I have to impress everybody and I have to say all the right things on my podcast with James today, or he's going to think I'm a loser Mm -hmm. or, you know, like whatever. And here's what I want you to know. I truly believe that that is a universal experience. And I believe that that's what death is going to feel like. Now I'm not trying to sell us like, please don't go dying on me guys. Okay. But I believe that, You know, when you look at people you've lost or even like your pets or anything like that, like if you've been in the presence of an experience of death, it does feel like a beautiful surrender and and like a letting go, you know, in many ways. And so I just, I think like, this is my own scientific study here, but if like, that's what it's going to be like, then why am I so scared while I'm here living? And you
0: don't, we hear that, but it's still just a concept to us.
1: Yes, because you, you haven't had the experience. We
0: haven't had the experience, you had the experience. And so you, yeah. can, you can live to tell the tale. Right. But, but just like to really pause in this for a moment, because I just, I couldn't agree with what you're saying so much. And from my experience, I don't have that. I don't have that. I can say like, hey, you know, what's the worst gonna happen? You can die? That's actually not that bad. <laughs> It's like what I'd love to tell people can't from my own personal experience, but you pretty much can. It's like, what are we really afraid of when you are walking moment by moment in this moment right now? So afraid of so much and like the worst thing we're afraid of is dying and it's a beautiful experience and Mm -hmm. so might as well just get on living. For yeah. me, the closest thing I had to that, which people will laugh at me because it wasn't it's not a significant thing to other people, it's significant to me, was one of the scariest things I did, and by the way, I've done like skydiving, and I had an awful fear of flying, awful fear of flights, the last thing I wanted to do was skydive, but when you wanna impress a girl, there's, it's amazing the type of things that you're willing to do. And so I went <laughs> skydiving. I like to claim I'm the only person that has gone skydiving and will never do it again. I, the people are like, isn't it amazing? No, it was awful. I hated it, but I did it. <laughs> and what was even scarier than that for me, I would say like the, for some reason, I couldn't even tell you why, but the scariest thing that I've done in my life was calling my dad and telling him I love him for the first time in my adult life, I still scratch my head and say, "What? What was so scary about that? Why was I so afraid?" Maybe you wonder if what he's going to say back, right? Maybe you still hold on had shame and guilt for things that you had done as a bad son. I mean, I was a pain in the butt. You wouldn't want to be my parent. Let me say, like to all my listeners out there, you wouldn't want to be my parent. I was a pain in the butt, and something clicked for me. Again, not on the same level, but the same theme as I'm, I'm hearing from you, Amber, is like, when I did that, I was like, what else is there to be afraid of? What, and why live your life in so much fear? And that's when you, the scary thing is, like when something is invisible and undistinguished, can't do anything about it. But once it's made present, then you see it everywhere, right? And you start to see all the areas in your life where you're being driven by little micro fears afraid to do this, afraid to do that. And, and it it becomes this like prison that boxes yeah. you in closer and closer. What a, what a gift to have something like that. And what a gift for us to have someone like yourself share that with all of us. So thank you, I think that's just it's beautiful. Let me ask you this weird question. I've heard theories that I prescribe to that we have certain like off-ramps in our life where we could leave this plane And then we choose to stay or we choose to go. Do you feel like that that's Mm -hmm. what that experience was too? That this was a choice. It could have gone either way. It could have been, this is, this is it. But you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A million percent. I feel like that is 100% accurate. And it was, I don't think that God, spirit, the universe, whatever your, you know, happy word there is, is like doing this. But for some reason I felt like God was saying, you know, like, okay, you got it now. Like go back. Mm -hmm. Like go like go, you know, and, but not in a judgmental way, just like you got it. Yeah. And, and I, and I did, you know, and it took, it certainly took a little bit of time, but a very condensed amount of time in the context of the years that I had lived prior, right. In terms of making a change. And I remember this one conversation that I had with a friend And I was lamenting going back to work at the end of the three and a half months that I had been on my maternity leave and I was getting ready to go back and I just was gut wrenched over it. Now I have my baby and I don't want to leave her. And I'm thinking what a nut job you were before you popped this baby out saying, I'm going to always work. Like, I'm going to come back. Like what planet, what were you smoking back then, sister? (laughs) This baby's in your arms. Like, no way am I going back? Uh, You know, like just no way. But But I had to go back in the circumstances of what our life looked like at the time. And where we were. And she said to me, we're on the phone and I'm just complaining and just like in this place, so like, but I can. And I just, I, have, I know what I want to do now. I know what I want. And she said, Amber, this is your life. She said it just like that. Mm-hmm. And she put the emphasis on life and it just like hung in the air. And I remember just feeling these chills in my body and just this awareness of you're right. Thank you for calling me up and reminding me of what I know now. So I became really convicted, but I also still had to go like do the job. And I also didn't want to forsake all of those years, those 10 years prior, nine and a half years prior of the career that I had built, the relationships that I had built. Like I was supremely grateful for my education that led me to that point. And I wasn't going to just burn it down, you know, and I needed to find a graceful way to make my transition out. But of course I also needed to have a business that was going to replace my portion of the income for my family. Yeah. And so, you know, it took about eight months after Annie was born five after I went back to work, I launched my little, my biz in the background, brand love coaching.
0: Biz in the background. Heart. Ooh, that's like, Biz in the background. I like that biz in the background. But I think we all need that reminder. Like yeah. I think my wife yeah. and I give ourselves that reminder constantly. It's like, this is your life. You're living it right now. This is it. And and you're dying every day. (laughs) You're getting a little older. We're all, you know.
1: Turns out this is the most depressing episode you're ever gonna listen to, guys. sorry guys.
0: (laughs) But, you know, I write down, you know, whenever I have thoughts, like they they turn into like a list of possible podcast topics. Mm. And then we go and we share them with the team and some get formed and some don't. And some are just thoughts, some are just ideas, and, We just did a whole big, you know, team crowdsourcing idea. And one of them I wanted to talk about, but it didn't get formed. I'm like, I don't know if I can do a full episode on it. So I just bring it in here. It's like us going through life half asleep, taking life for granted. Right. And I think think most of us, and there's definitely been times in my life, take life for granted. And I think that's what's so beautiful about death is it gives us the opportunity to get present, to... How valuable it is, how precious it is, how short Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. and now is just as good a time as any to start following your dreams. And that's you know that's that's where anything that we can perceive as bad or negative or depressing can be beautiful. Yeah, I don't know.
1: That's deep, man. That's deep.
0: Hashtag deep. But that's just going back to how long people will then suffer as an entrepreneur overthinking, yeah. over worrying. What are we worried about? You know, <laughs> death, death isn't even an issue when launching a business, right? Maybe some rejection, some ridicule, looking like a like a dum dumb is pretty much the worst that's gonna happen. All right, you lost $2,000 on Facebook ads, you know? Yeah, but eight months. That's pretty fast.
1: Yeah, eight months. Eight so did I gestated you, that. Did you, you know?
0: um you didn't quit at eight months? You just started on the side and kind of did
1: No, I, I quit, James. You quit. So Damn. I literally had one client, Melissa. I will forever be grateful for thank you. you, Melissa. Melissa, you are a queen. And she said she I was like the most bumbling, awful. I wasn't even selling. I just did like a free coaching call. And at the end she was like, You just added so much value to my life. I want to hire you, and I and I you do (laughs) okay. Hold on a second. I'm like, where's my Word doc with my prices? Right, (laughs) real life story. (laughs) And I okay, and I tell her my price, and she's like, great, sure, let's rock. And and she was so kind. You know what what an angel Melissa was and is still. Um, so she's working with me. I go to work the next day because this is how the universe works. And I have literally like the worst meeting of my life with my boss, whom I have the best relationship with. And it was like out of the twilight zone. It was so weird. Like we never had an interaction like this before, but it was the universe being like, are you going to pay it? T- are you going to listen hmm. now? Like it already had been getting uncomfortable there because I knew I was ready to, to move forward. So I have this meeting and I walk back, I march my little self, my little heels, my little dress pants back to my office. And I just start putting stuff in my bag and I'm like, my, my secretary walks in the room and she goes, are you doing what I think you're doing? And I went, yes, I am. And then she goes, you go girl. And so I drive home, I'm all frustrated and I'm like, I need to, I got to do this, you know, to my husband. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, all right. And I just like locked it in and I'm a, i am I like a challenge, you know? So I had to kind of go through it in that way, I guess. That's the experience I had to have to yeah. like make myself do it. And I gave my notice on the next, the next Monday and I had one client, but what I knew was if I, it was like the key that unlocked everything. And it was, whoa, I am making money doing something. that's going to cost me maybe like four hours, five hours a month. Cause I'm going to do weekly calls with her. And I'm going to maybe do some emails. I work 40 to 60, sometimes 70 hours a week right now. I'm no mathematician, but if I can make that much for one hour in a week, And I get a couple more of those clients, like cha-ching. I don't. Why am I doing this anymore? This is my life.
0: Yeah.
1: So by the time I left, I give my notice, and they, you know, I had to stay for about a month because they didn't have anybody to replace, and I had to do some training and helping and all this. I had four clients by the time I left. I was making as much in a in a month that I was with my crazy job that I worked ten years to create. And that's amazing. I and I was like, it was so exciting.
0: Well, and I, I love that it. you share that it was ugly and messy. You know, you, it was
1: ugly and messy. And
0: I yeah. think we both see a lot of people that are trying to get it perfect the first time. What what are, what are your thoughts and advice on on that? Because it wasn't launch perfect.
1: it, l- launch it ugly. That's yeah. like one of the things I say to my clients all the time. It's like really, it's about to me. It's about what's the experience that you're going mm-hmm. to give your clients. You know, and I was I was an all in kind of gal. And so I'm like taking on this coaching client, but I'm building her website, designing her look like I'm I'll like mow your lawn if you want me to. It doesn't matter. Like I'll babysit your kid, I'll bake you cookies. <laughs> oh my god! Like I, I am it. so grateful. Yeah. You know, and I definitely did way more than I should have done with those clients. I didn't have good boundaries at all with that. But it didn't, it just didn't matter, James. I had to bootstrap it. Mm-hmm. Like I it was all part of the curriculum and I've refined it, of course, of course. over these years. But, but I like, think you it did was, it, you yeah. did it
0: messy, but you did it with certainty. Like yes. it was like, yeah, it's messy and it is what it is, but I'm still I gonna I knew help it you. was messy.
1: It, yeah. I knew it was, and I also knew I had like codependency stuff I needed to heal and mm. work on. And I would, and that's another thing when you have clients and you're doing you, all of your codependency issues, all of your mom issues, all that stuff, like you got to work on that because you're going to transfer it to the client and the client just wants you to help them (laughs) with their thing. And I just, I learned, okay, I got to work on that. I get triggered when this one sends me an email and I want to like at 11 o'clock at night, like, you know, make her a souffle to make sure she's happy. (laughs) Okay. We got to work on this. Right.
0: So for you, what you're saying, when, when you experience the codependency, when you experienced the codependency, it was like this incessant need to always make them happy. And if they weren't happy, yeah. you're not happy. And then. It,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's what I did as a kid with my, my mom. And mm-hmm. so I realized, and then I had a boss in my corporate career and I did that with her. And then I realized, oh, we've got a little pattern here. <laughs> it's time to work on this. But at least
0: you recognize the pattern. Yes. I think, yes. I think a lot of people don't
1: recognize the pattern. And That's that, the
0: work. And and that in that pattern, guess who's the common denominator?
1: <laughs> I know. This um, is the truth.
0: This I is the,
1: and then we we like villainize people. And it's like, honey, if you just looked in the mirror and and were more gentle and loving with yourself and you got support, you know, you could really expedite. And to me, like you said, like I feel like I'm little Mario, like like growing up, leveling right? up, leveling up. Like Oh man, that was so painful working on that pattern, rewiring that one, reprogramming myself with like those trip wires that I kept hitting with that. That was not really that fun. But what I know is that suffering is as much of a choice as joy hmm. is. Suffering is as much of a choice as freedom is mm-hmm. within ourselves.
0: If that's the first time someone's hearing that, that's a big pill to to swallow. So I'd, I'd love for you to unpack that a mm-hmm. little bit and even give a specific example of, something mm-hmm. that two people could experience. One is joy and one is experience it as suffering.
1: Mm. So, okay. I'm going to think of like a really good suffering experience. I mean, le- like this is going to not be business related, but I just want to sure. think about like, we all have a human physical body here and I had created a, a, a deep suffering pattern with my relationship with myself and my body. And I, was like pretty dysmorphic, you know, for a long period of time. And then there was sort of this one day of just realizing like, I could just choose to see this differently. I don't know how, but I was open to the notion that I could potentially see this differently. And I use data points of like, I have friends who give me feedback. I have people who are like, they don't see what I see. They don't agree Mm. with like the cruelty that I'm inflicting upon myself. Mm -hmm. And so instead of like getting mad at them for being wrong, because this is the reality, right. I might just entertain the idea that perhaps there's another alternative way to view myself, this body, like this perception that I'm having. So like with money, same thing, like James is having a different experience with abundance than maybe, you know, somebody else is, and I'm not going to get mad at James for having a different experience, but I'm going to instead be curious about some of the things he's talking about here and how perhaps that's a new reality to explore, like my childhood with my you know, teammates' parents and the way that they were living. And it was like, there's one story to live, but there are a million different iterations of that story you might entertain as possibilities.
0: And I love what you shared there because I really feel there's true power in the individual indirect correlation with an individual that it has the ability to see something from multiple vantage points. I think when yeah. we say suffering is this, this choice, it's because we get so like fixed and locked in on one perspective. And when someone's offering you a different perspective, they're not trying to make you wrong, they're not saying you are wrong, it's just a different perspective. And you can look at anything and see it the bad way. Just like we gave the example with death. You can look at death as, you know, an essential ingredient to making life precious and valuable. You know, if we all lived forever, we probably wouldn't have the same experience of life, right? But for that person that's able to do that, I think comes great power.
1: I'm a firm believer now, and it's taken time to get here, that what we perceive is what we receive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll hear this a million times and you'll hear it a million more times when it starts clicking in real, yeah. in real time. When that's it's like, when we get
1: tires in the snow yeah, traction. 100%. Like that's when we're not spinning our wheels anymore. Yeah. And it is, it's so fun. Yeah, It's so fun to be there. And also for those of you who are not maybe listening to this and being like, ah, oh, I, I just, I'm spinning my wheels on this guys. Like my situation is really hard. Like because of X, Y, Z, you know, I just ask you to just stick with it. Just stick with it. Like you're already here listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. So you're already, you're really like, wait, you're, you're getting into the water. Like you you're, you're in the water. And so just like stick with it because before you know it, you'll be out maybe watching James surf, getting a little deeper, right maybe giving it a spin maybe sitting on the board being like i have no idea how to do that but being on the board you know you're you're actually in the game and i think like that's what i feel your podcast does james it's like it gives people the invitation to like get in the water and to like try things out and to and to get really diverse perspectives from different people different vantage points different walks of life and just to try things on a little bit try things out a little bit to broaden the perspective so that perhaps on the other side of that, we can be just like a few degrees more free.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what everyone wants. When you ask, it, right. you know, when you ask a million entrepreneurs, why are you starting a business? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you want more sales? It comes down to them for freedom. You know, freedom. it's like, well, I want mm-hmm. more money. Okay. Well, for what purpose? And so we can travel more. Well, what is travel more? It gives me more freedom, right? More time, freedom, more, but you can have all the money in the world and still be completely trapped and suffering with that fixed mindset and perspective. And you're not free. Yeah, You're not free. That's We've true. been there. It's a scary place to be making a lot of money and realize that you're less happy or unhappy and massively unhappy compared to somebody that doesn't have any money, right? That's um, And going back to what you said, of course, your current circumstances, like it's very easy to say, but my current circumstances completely contradict what I want. Of course they do. That's why you have a want. (laughs) If you didn't have the current circumstances that completely contradicted what you want, you wouldn't have the desire. That's Mm -hmm. where the desire is born from. And it's not like you'd be the first person to actually achieve a desire. (laughs) Throughout life, anything that anyone has accomplished was because at first it was a desire, it was a want, it was maybe just a wish, a hope, a dream. For most people, they had a current circumstance that was the exact opposite something in their life that said this ain't going to happen. Until we have that ability to apply that, that what and how did you phrase it in the most simplistic sense? Your experience, what was it? Your how you perceive is what you receive. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. But when you realize that how you perceive that is your choice, that's up yes. to you. That for me is always when things get really magical. So, okay. So as we start to to wind down, is there anything else you really want to share from your journey and especially just the last couple of years of epic growth that you think would be a benefit to our listeners?
1: You know, I think it's coming through and what you were just sharing there with the desire piece. I believe truly that if the dream is in you it's for you. Yeah. And so each and every one of us has a unique set of guideposts that are leading us and those are the form of the things that we desire. You know, and they they don't make sense in many cases. You know, I was a 5-year-old seeing myself as a speaker and a, an author. And yes, I had a story to tell, but also like I was 5, you know, like that it it was like the adult me telling a grand evolved story that I did not have access to yet, but I saw that. And so that was like the really far out vision. And there are a million different things along the way. Then it was like become a division one athlete, become the captain of the team. Like there are tons of different little benchmarks along the way. And if you look back at that, it's like, oh, I was learning how to be a public speaker. I was learning how to lead. I was learning how to train my physical body. To optimize performance. I was learning how to understand what pain felt like and how to push myself through and, and, and how to maximize intrinsic motivation. You know, being on the field on a Saturday when all my high school friends are hung over from hmm. the party and I'm out there by myself at the field kicking long balls and doing sprints because I'm gonna get a college scholarship and I'm the only one on my high school team that has that goal. And therefore that's that's my curriculum. And so you look at that. And, and I want everyone here, you know, like draw your timeline out, look back at the guideposts. What were the big dreams along the way? Because they were guiding you and they were leading you to now and they were readying you for the future that is calling you forth. And it's so poetic and it's so beautiful to just like see that story and that, in that symphony, just play out in your grand, beautiful, magical life. And the reality is this. You know, you can't ride the wave, James, without the resistance of the ocean, you know, like Mm -hmm. pushing you forth, but also like throwing you down and the unpredictability of that. And again, talk about poetry. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing there is. It's like, I can think about that, about how you've never ridden the same wave twice in your entire life and you never will. And that just like makes me want to weep, you know, Mm -hmm. like that is just like, wow. And, and so that's what, that's the magic of being human in here. And we have this notion, I think, that there's like a set track that you get into. And I want everyone here to just learn how to let your hair down and dance and play and understand that your dreams are inviting you into the fullest expression of who you really are. Your business is your sacred opportunity to share your gifts with the world. It's this incredible container for you to create change here and to share what only you can share. And that is a divine privilege. And I think about it as I bring it all the way back to my ancestors on a boat coming over here, only a generation away that, you know, they went through what they went through. And every time I speak on stage, I wear my great grandmother's ring to not forget that. I think about, I have the privilege to be a woman in 2020 and a mother of a daughter who gets to sit on a podcasts like this and to create stages like the Unite Your Soul Summit, and the other things that I do and share my stories and share the stories of others who've come before me and share my voice, my message. And, I, and, and it requires me, it's a great honor, privilege, and responsibility to do my work here for my own evolution so that I can do that. And, and I want you all to hear me say this and know that, that the same applies to you in your mm-hmm. own sphere of influence and with what yours is here wow i like I hope this motivates inspires and, and and fires you guys up because James and I we just want more of y'all to like get the microphone on and start and sing your song and and tell your stories and write your books because that's what is gonna be here when we're no longer in these physical bodies
0: yeah wow ain't that the truth so beautifully said and I think beneath all of that is don't just pay attention to what amber is saying but Pay attention to who she is being, how she is showing up, because that's the real message. That's the real takeaway. But I just want to get paid. I just want to make some money. Well, that's fantastic. But notice from this place of this bigger picture and purpose, like life function that she operates from, that's power right there. That to me is just like unstoppable. You know, that's like that full circle of stopping that chain reaction of hurt people, mm-hmm. hurt people and creating a new paradigm. And we do that when we're operating from a different perspective, a bigger context for which our life has a purpose or a function. So thank you for not just talking to us about that today, but being the example that we get to model and follow. That's pretty awesome. Pretty darn awesome. So where can people go to connect with you, to learn more about you, to reach out to you and say, thank you.
1: Mm, thank you. So I have a podcast called the Amber Lillystrom show, which James was on, and it was an awesome conversation. I'm also, I love Instagram so much. I know you guys all do too. So please DM me, please share this episode and tag us so that we can reshare you and celebrate you and your journey And I have a website, amberlilliestrom.com. So, you know, you know the name, just come at me, come hang out. You can email me literally, you can email me amber at amberlilliestrom.com. I love to connect with people and to hear your stories and, you know, in any way that I can serve and support is an honor.
0: So awesome. We're going to link all that up in the show notes. So please connect with Amber and give her your feedback from this amazing conversation and her sharing her incredible, unbelievable story on this podcast. So awesome. So amazing! Thank you, and, James, and thank you, Amber, and thank you guys so much for tuning in and staying all the way to the end. Hey, this was a long one. I'm this sorry. One. We went I'm the sorry.
1: distance today.
0: Yeah, that's my bad. I I, I kept you on a long time, I, so I appreciate it. She had to cancel all her other appointments for today for me. I'm sorry. No,
1: it was. I mean, it was worth it. We were in the zone. So this in, was great.
0: Yeah, we were in the zone. So thank you again, and thank you for tuning in and hanging out to the end here on the Mind Your Business podcast. We'll see you next time. Take care.